This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian-owned and local. Phone 131 806. Oh, she's done it. Brilliantly executed. Incredible stuff. The whole family are watching on in anticipation. And yes, there's the final nail in the chicken coop. Dad's been promising to build for a decade. And don't the kids just love it. Coming in for the final turn. He's gone to the left, a little bit to the right. Dodged the hills, hoist. Grass clippings flying in his wake. Precision mowing doesn't get any better than that. They've really set their sights high for this one. A pizza oven, water feature and a new deck all by the end of lockdown. But is it too much too soon? Only time will tell. He's a do-it-yourself legend in the making. Welcome to the sport of gardening. Here's your host, Dale Vine and Jay Neal. And whether you're listening to us via podcast anytime you like or live on SEN Track and SEN Around Australia on a Sunday morning, it is fantastic to have you checking with us here at The Sport of Gardening. I'm Jane Neild and I'm joined every week by landscaper and author now, Dale Vine. Of course, the book's going really well, Dale. Hello. Hello. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, well, I've bought plenty of them, Jane, and uh, <laughs> and still reading them. So, uh, no, it's good. I think uh, it's getting a good response out there. I've heard some good feedback, so I'm, I'm a very happy man. You could, of course, grab it in all good bookstores. It's Dale Vine's Outdoor Renault Guide. Transform your garden on any budget. And it kind of inspired this show, really, Dale, when it was like, oh, no sport happening. What can we talk about on the radio? Let's talk gardening. Yeah, maybe <laughs> so, I should have called it the sport of DIYing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the second book. You've got to hold yeah, all your ideas. True. Don't, don't yeah, let them go true, too true. quickly. Hey, today on the show, we are going to follow up on uh, a little conversation that we had with Gary Lyon. Of course, a few weeks ago, Gary Lyon was our guest on the show. He has been honing his uh, lawn mowing skills yes. and has created a golf course in his backyard. He sure has, the buckled rib. <laughs> exactly. I thought that we could, though, hear from someone who perhaps he's working at a slightly higher level than yes. Gary Lyon on his uh, dry, his ride on mower. His name's Michael Clayton, and he's an internationally renowned golf course designer. Very lovely bloke, and also a former professional golfer. So, as golf is back, there is uh, professional competitions now happening around the world, and of course, a lot of people getting back out onto the golf courses. And we're also going to catch up with someone from the cricket world. We have had a whole lot of people on the show who have taken up gardening or DIY during lockdown for COVID-19. Bobby Quiney is a former Australian cricketer who has actually done a fair bit of landscaping in his time and even at one point started studying to become a, is it a turfologist? Uh, I'm <laughs> going to say know. yes, yes, Jane. Look, he was studying to uh, become one of the people who can curate. Right, curator, yes. A turf or a ground Yes, a football. ground curator, yes, yes. <laughs> curator, there you go. Uh, so we're really keen to find out whether or not during... Uh, COVID-19 restrictions, he got back into the landscaping, or perhaps he hasn't had time to do all of that. have got a tool review coming your way. Hey, Dale, at this time of year, what's your favourite kind of place to get out to in the garden or, you know, as a getaway out into nature during winter? Are you the sort of guy that likes a cold walk on a beach, or do you prefer to get into a forest somewhere and just enjoy the stark chill of winter? Yeah, I'm more a forest than beach sort of a bloke, I think. Why um, do you live in Geelong then? Because <laughs> oh, well, Sophie grew up there pretty much. But um, no, I, I sort of I like getting to mum's farm. She lives um, 
in Balungaruk between Gisborne and Bacchus Marsh, and she's got a lot of um, bush property behind her as well. So um, well, I'm actually going there this weekend to do some wood splitting. So, so what does that involve? That sounds like a whole lot of hard work. Yeah. Oh, it's not too bad, the splitting part. So we've already done, um, like got on the chainsaws previously and, and um, cut down a heap of trees and let them season a little bit so they can go dry enough for burning. And then uh, the bits that are too big to just split by hand, um, we're going to hire a little um, wood splitter machine and then just put them through that so we can use the big stuff as well. So, yeah, it's wow. a fun, fun afternoon for me. <laughs> How much do you pay for a wood splitter? I'm not like... sure. I'm going to have to go halves in with Tony, mum's husband. Right. So, yeah, we'll have, we'll have to work that out when I get there. Because I'm wondering whether the, the money obviously must be worth it for oh, the definitely. amount of backache yeah. that you save. Yeah, yeah. And we sort of pretty much only trade in VB currency over at Mum's Farm with Tony. So, no, nah, I should be able to afford it. Now, I need to say thank you because we actually arranged a little timeshare on the extra-wide cyclone rake that we reviewed a couple oh, of yes. weeks ago. Yeah. You actually let me take it home because I did have a bit of an issue with my front yard. How'd you go? Can I say an extra-wide rake is possibly the most exciting yeah, you can, because it was really cool. Did the kids have massive. a crack as well? The kids were put off by the size, so I oh, think really? we're going to review another rake That's soon. just what they said to you, so I didn't have to do it. <laughs> I was so excited, and it's really flexible, so actually I was able to sort of get leaves off of paving yeah. areas, not just the lawn. So thank you for no letting worries, me borrow the Jane. rake. No, any time. I reckon we're going to have... Um, we're going to have YouTube videos of people towing this rake behind right on mowers and, you know, really getting creative with it. Well, we've got some more Cyclone and Trojan tools uh, coming up to review in the show. Of course, Cyclone tools built to last a lifetime and Trojan tools, tools built tough. They're available at Bunnings Warehouse. and We do thank them for their uh, support of the sport of gardening. And the other thing I wanted to brag to you about this week, Dale, yes. and I'm not sure why I spent so much time thinking about it. No, brag away, Jane. I'm keen to hear it. So I've worked out the way to not nag your partner about certain outdoor jobs okay. is to just do it yourself. Oh, wow. What have you done? I'm not usually allowed to touch the whippersnipper. Oh, not that I've been told oh. not to. My partner always does the whippersnippering. Yes. been a little while. Yeah. Okay. Instead of saying, can you do the whippersnippering? You got out said, there and had a crack. Hey, can you get the whippersnipper out and start it up so wow. I can do the whippersnippering? He was very sceptical at first. And I don't know why it is. Like, I grew up on five acres yep. and I did the mowing. Mum was always mowing. and But for some reason, the whippersnippering it's was... It's a scary looking tool well, and it's loud yeah. and it's... Um, Could take an eye out. Yeah, it flicks things around. It actually does flick stuff at your legs a fair bit and you can right. get a good whack from a stone or something if it's Okay, so there, the so. perception that it was not something that, you know, the young women of the family would do is probably justified by my old man. Yeah, no, well, I've got, I've, I've got mates that don't want to do do it because ah. they, they're too sooky to um, <laughs> to get l- lots of rocks and stuff flung at their legs. So no, it's a it's a definitely a chore. Whipper snipping. It's not a job I enjoy either. Well, I loved it. Did so you? partner Simon has fired it up after yeah. a little bit of swearing and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it really was only grass, and you know we've got cooch and whatever. It's just getting out of control. There was something so satisfying yeah. about just carving through wow, all like of those superhero lawn edges. swinging around a, an axe or something. <laughs> Good on you. So there you go. I would say don't nag. Yep. Do it yourself. And I reckon I'll never have to do it again because I think he couldn't quite stand to see me doing it. It's like, oh, no. So that's my tip, ladies. Get out there and have a crack have at some a of these Have a crack at the snipper. <laughs> 
And if you are doing some whippersniffering and listening to the sport of gardening, I'd love to hear from you. In fact, let us know where you are listening from. From right around Australia, you can send an email to feedback at sportofgardening.com.au. And of course, if you've got a question for Dale or I, you can include that as well. But we would love to know what part of Australia you're in while you listen to the show, which of course we are doing thanks to Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime, Trojan Tools, built tough, available at Bunnings Warehouse, and thanks to Red Energy. Red Energy are powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. You can switch to Aussie-owned Red Energy today. In just a moment, our ISO check-in for the week, we are going to catch up with cricketer Bobby Quiney. You're listening to the Sport of Gardening for Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools built tough, only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. And you are listening to the Sport of Gardening. Thanks to our sponsors, Red Energy. They're owned by Snowy Hydro and a renewable energy leader. And we check in with a sports person every week here on the Sport of Gardening, of course, which started during ISO when a whole lot of sports people just started gardening, getting into the DIY because there was not really that much to do. But we're finding that a lot of people have enjoyed that time with more of a chance to get into the garden. So we're just going to keep chatting to people, Dale Vine. Absolutely, Jane. It's an official sport now. It's it's done now, so no need to explain it. Yeah, we'll make our run for the Olympics at some point <laughs> in the future. Now, we have checked in with a whole lot of great guests over the last few weeks. So if you have missed some of our ISO chats, everyone from Sandy Roberts to Kevin Sheedy to Tim Watson, Gary Lyon, head to the podcast of The Sport of Gardening and you can catch up on former episodes. But today it is a pleasure to welcome to the show, a former Australian cricketer, left-handed batsman, right-arm medium pace bowler. He played for the Vic Bush Rangers, the Melbourne Stars. He went overseas and even played for our teams like the Rajasthan Royals. It's welcome to the sport of gardening, Bobby Quiney. Hello. Hey, Jane. Hey, Dale. How are you going? Good the sport of gardening. You've, you've got some massive names there. They've, you've done well there. Seems yeah. like this has really taken off. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many people, though, that you just know as big sort of sports stars who secretly have this passion for gardening. Are you one of those people, Bobby? Yeah, well, it's funny. As you've mentioned, through this isolation period, two things happened. Um, dogs got walked a hell of a lot and also people's gardens um, got cleaned up a, a fair bit too. So, and, and yeah, well, I, um, I come from a bit of a, a garden background in terms of once uh, part of my transition with cricket was to involve myself with the garden maintenance business that I, I struck up with fellow cricketers Peter Hanscom and Dan Christian. Um, Pete Hanscom ended up playing a few more games for Australia and didn't didn't want to get his hands dirty, so he, he stayed off the tools. But Dan was definitely uh, he, he dived deep into into the business, and you know we're going well there for a while. Um, I get some not high priority jobs, a couple of you know weeding jobs and. Um, just a short back and sides for some lawns, but um, did it for about four or five years and, and really got into it, so uh, enjoyed it. Uh, ripper. And was that because you were always conscious of, you know, having a, a backup when your cricketing career finished, or was that because you have a lot of time off and you really do need something else to do? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was more being conscious of it. My, my dad was really big into his garden. My sister, yeah, she, she loved her garden as well. It was probably something I, I neglected at, in, in my backyard and front yard, so... Once I got involved, I uh, absolutely loved it. But it did get to the stage where working so, with so many other people's gardens and lawns, you get home and you walk, just before you walk in the front door, it's like, I should be watering or sea-souling the gardenias here. I need to feed the lawn here. It's like, oh, I'll do it next week and then I'll do it next week. And it just never eventuates. So sometimes it's detrimental to your own lawn, but um, that's all right. I enjoy it nevertheless. 
Yeah, mate, I just heard Jane on the intro there um, claim that you were a, a left-handed batter and a right-handed bowler. Well, like, what's the technical term of that? A lefty-righty or something? What, what, what hand lefty do you... Lefty-righty. I actually think it's... Yeah, I think it's, I think it's more normal than people think. Um, yeah, right. Just like the way people bat, yeah. The, we were always told as a youngster, your dominant hand is your top hand with batting, which okay. as a left-hander is my right hand. My right hand. I hope I haven't confused the cross no. out of people there. No. But, oh, yeah, I'm um, lost. So... The, <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Um, you lose a lot of people at uh, this stage now as well. So that, I think it's more common um, than you think, but I think a lot of people, were either they're either left or right in both. But, um, yeah, it's a bit broader than that. Yeah, right. So okay. what hand do you hold your secateurs in then? Mm. Right, definitely right. Um, yep. I've tried doing left hand, same as this, doing the secateurs with the left hand because if you've got a long day um, pruning roses, it does take toll on the, I call it the drumstick part of your thumb. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it does take a bit of toll on that as well. But even like... Um, you know, if you if you spray the old uh, slasher, the, the weed kill as well, like if you're spraying something, um, you know, it tends to get quite hard and you, you got to swap hands. So my, my left hand's no good. Never you need, been. A, you need a quality pair of Cyclone shearers there. <laughs> I have heard they're pretty good. They are good. Uh, I bought a new pair, I reckon, about a year ago, uh, and I haven't done any garden maintenance work for nearly a year now. So they're actually going okay, but my next pair will no doubt be a Cyclone pair. Good man. <laughs> I heard a little rumour that you didn't Uh-oh. actually get into the backyard during ISO, that perhaps you neglected to do all of the uh, jobs that (laughs) might have needed doing and have been quite busy instead of just having lots of time to spend in the garden. Yeah, well, I guess before isolation, it was really good. I think it helps when the weather's good as well, summer and and just leading into autumn. um, I I was really diligent um, on doing my gardening, doing the lawn, doing the lawns every two weeks. Um, I, I love nothing better than the smell of um, freshly cut grass. I know it might sound a bit cliche, but it generally, I, I, it's that and deep heat. Um, when mm. I used to play footy, there's two smells that I absolutely love. Oh, and, a yeah. heady um, combination. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, imagine a it's candle, deep. just half deep heat, half <laughs> grass. That would bloody sell out in all no, men's stores you all over Australia. Put some, put some copyright on that. Yeah. Um, you can take that for what it's worth. <laughs> no, I'll go I'll halves buy. with you, mate. Yeah. You, you came up <laughs> with it too. Done. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was good. I was seesawing the garden every two weeks. I was, deadheading the roses. I was making sure the bucks' hedges were, were neat and tidy. Um, and then, as you said, isolation hit. And the only thing I really did was, was get the fire pit out on the weekend to, I guess, differentiate between what was the weekday and what was the weekend. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Unfortunately, as a result of that, the back lawn copped a bit of a hiding to go with the dog, um, what the dog does on the lawn. Um, yep. And then, I guess, not having to mow the lawn. Like, to, through the season, I haven't mowed the lawn now for... I reckon about seven or eight weeks, and it hasn't grown too much at the moment. So um, it's it's a good result, but it means I've neglected the rest of the garden. So I've got a fair bit of weeding to do as of right now. Now, Bobby, you actually decided to start taking this uh, love of the smell of fresh cut turf to a whole nother level a few years back. <laughs> you did a little bit of study. So it was the aim to one day curate the MCG, or where were you heading with that? Yeah, spot on. Um, I wanted to just make sure I had a, a pretty broad spectrum of, of options. So garden main, maintenance was the start. I was I was dealing with a friend who was doing curating um, around the suburbs as well, and I'll jump on the roller every now and then, and and hope to get to the stage where um, you know I could get some fair tutelage. You know, I, I know the basics really with um, 
with cricket wickets, obviously been playing on them for, for about 15, 20 years, but to go to the next level and, and to, to do things, you know, why you would spray a certain thing, a chemical at a certain time, what happens, you know, through different periods of, um, of the seasons as well. So I did a sport turf management course, or was doing it um, at Holmes Glen in Glen Waverley, um, which was fine. The only thing I guess I found a little bit uneasy was I'd walk into the room and, and I would have generally been uh, probably double the age of, of 90% of the people in, in the class. So I was a bit of a father figure for mm. a few there, um, but it was it was enjoyable to learn. I mean, I was, I was so intimidated to try and learn all the plant names. You've got to, you know, the... the the genus, um, yep. the Latin names, all yep. that sort of stuff, and I just went, "You're you're kidding me!" Like, oh, you just give me the common name, and I'll run with that. But <laughs> it, it actually worked. Obviously, the continuity, and, and I got the hang of it. But unfortunately, there's a few that's got lost in translation now. Yeah. Hey, mate, I've got a, a bloke that I do a bit of work with um, fairly often, who used to be uh, a pretty good um, greens curator and stuff. And what's the name of the? There's a real specific. Uh, you know, really dark coloured soil that they use for under cricket wickets. Um, it's real clay based, I think, but it's worth a fortune to actually buy, you know, a square metre of it compared to what you'd buy for your garden. Mary or Creek soil? I, I'd assume that's probably what it is, yeah. yeah. But I think it's, it's Mary Creek. They've used Mary Creek for quite a while now, and um, they're actually, I think they've got some new soil. I'm not sure what it's called now to keep the warmth. Uh, okay. Particularly in Melbourne, yep. in the in the southern states. So over at WA, um, what have they got? They've got the uh, multiple um, varieties of cooch, but the soil they use is, is different than they'd use over here because they don't need to keep the warmth there. They've already got it naturally um, yeah. with their climate. But yeah, Mary Creek's always one that's been used in 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 Melbourne for the for the time being, and yep. it, it, it costs a fair bit. Yeah, obviously it's it's got to um, dry out enough to get a good bounce on there, and also absorb enough moisture to um, let something grow. So yeah, correct. Specific. Yeah, correct. Especially especially when you don't get the sun, like I said before the. I've got buffalo and um, it, it gets limited sun, but even now, like it's it's just not growing because the, nah. the climate. You know, we've had some really good weather in Melbourne the last couple of weeks in terms of it sun shining. It just hasn't been warm. Yeah, so, yeah. Mine um, just it, turns to tough. soup over winter. My buffalo and I'm just <laughs> fighting win- winter grass sprouts all all winter long. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick story. I haven't got time. Um, there was one time, I reckon, about five years ago, four or five years ago, where I wanted to put cooch in the backyard. Um, I just thought it was the, it's the greatest grass. It feels great on your feet. I, I love buffalo. It's, it's hardy, but I decided to kill off all the buffalo. It was about September, yep. and I've gone, right, I'm going to buy some cooch. I'm going to roll it out. Um, just ran out of time. And then I've gone, I've had to kill it again because just weeds. Weeds has come up. Mm-hmm. So I essentially killed all my backyard and... <laughs> Never eventuated over two summers. My wife was pretty angry at me because our backyard looked horrendous when we had people over. And what I decided to do was I, I, I saw bits of buffalo growing back. Yeah. And so I replaced about, I reckon, four or five square metres with um, sods of turf. And the rest since then has grown back by itself. And I, I've astonished. And, I, you know, I couldn't recommend buffalo anymore. It's just wow. it's so hardy. Like you said, it goes to mud, but geez... When yeah, it comes back. Going, oh, every every, yeah, every spring it comes back, absolutely. <laughs> hey, Bobby, what yeah. was it like playing for a team like the Rajasthan Royals? I mean, we know that Australians are pretty passionate about their cricket, but going to one of those grounds that you just see absolutely packed with the most passionate supporters in the world must have just been a completely incredible experience. The experience was amazing. Uh, Jane and, and we, I was lucky or unlucky depends how you look at it like I'd been in India a few times but this uh, tournament was in South Africa and um, there's, a, there's a ground in um, 
in Cape Town and you can see Table Mountain um, over the back and, and it's an amazing ground. And we probably played about two or three games there as well. And, you know, the, the, the grounds were, were packed. I mean, they can only fit about maybe 20,000, 30,000 people. But, you know, the atmosphere was unreal. Lucky enough to have Shane Warne, Graeme Smith, Mornay Morkel uh, on my on my side. Lee Carlson, who's, who's been on Survivor a couple of times, he mm. was... He was in my side as well, and, and he was great value. So the experiences was a whole, like you see these, these cricketers um, in your hotel, like you, you go down to breakfast and, you, you know, you see Jax Callis, Sachin Tendulkar, mm. just your normal everyday people having breakfast, but on the TV, you know, they're, they're absolute idols. So that experience was, was amazing. Um, you know, it would have been nice to get a couple more runs, but yeah, that's, that's definitely, you know, a period of my time that I'm not going to forget. Yeah. Um, the would have been pretty amazing places to visit in that area in South Africa. Did you get a chance to go and see any botanic gardens or get a chance to get out into the countryside? No, I, not from a garden perspective, unfortunately. Um, Mornay Morkel, who's from Pretoria, which is about an hour outside Johannesburg, um, he drove us around and, and I guess a big eye-opener of, of you know, there's unfortunately there's a, um, a fair bit of poverty around there and mm. to see how... Um, some people live over there, which is which is so unfortunate. Um, that was a big eye opener f- for us, and I guess you know that was probably something that again sticks with me um, getting home. In, in terms of the the poor and fauna side of it, yeah, there, there wasn't a hell of a lot. There were times, I guess, there were security issues in, in South Africa as well. So um, getting to and from the game would have escorts, and and I guess getting out of your hotel at times was quite tough. So. To be able to just go for a stroll to the Botanic Gardens probably wasn't as easy or convenient as, as it is, um, you know, being in Melbourne. So it's a shame. But, yeah, I'm sure there, there would have been plenty of uh, the protea plants going around there. Mm. <laughs> Which everyone always says, oh, I love those Australian natives. And it's like, they're from <laughs> yeah, South <correct>. Africa. <laughs> yeah, correct. Hey, what's they're the next? Plant, they are. What's the next job on the list for you with the home? Like, you've obviously not really uh, done anything incredible during ISO. You haven't built a pizza oven or redone the entire lawn. But what's the next thing on the list for the home DIY or the landscaping? Yeah, I, I really want to weed all the garden beds and um, compost the soil. And as boring as that sounds, um, the soil is is so important. Um, you know, a lot of people leave their soils, they become water repellent and then they wonder why, you know, their, their plants are dying off for no reason. So um, that's one of those ones I've been putting off not very long, for about two or three months. Um, and yeah, I've got to do it sooner rather than later. So um, look after the camellias that have, have been flowering now, which is the, the perfect time for them. And I've got a couple of gardenias that are struggling and, and need to revive them too. But I've actually got um, uh, some agaves that I picked up from a, a job that the, the client said they didn't want. Some and freebies? Um, yeah, correct. And But I, I'm not really allowed to have them here because I don't go with everything else apparently. Yeah, um, <laughs> you've been if, told. If anyone wants... Yeah, yeah, if anyone wants a couple of agaves that um, <laughs> that are probably like medium size, just chuck um, them on the nature you know, strip, the mate. Look. They'll be gone in ten minutes. Oh, you re- is that easy? Yeah, really? yeah, absolutely. Uh, my garden, right. Bobby, is filled with things from the hard rubbish. I was actually cruising around a while ago, <laughs> and someone had thrown out this giant clump of clivias, which if you go oh, to your expensive. you yeah. know, garden centre, they're like 12 to 15 yeah, 20 yeah. bucks each. So I've just knocked on the door and gone, oh, do you mind if I take those? I've potted them up, and now after three years, I reckon I've got about 500 bucks worth of clivias in my garden. They're, yeah. they're so good, aren't they? And I'm glad you said clivia, because I've always called call them Clivias. Clivias. Yeah, right. Oh, I don't know. I'm but, South Australian, so that could no, be different. Yeah. 
It depends. Is that which one? Because I've heard other people, and then I, I think I might have Googled it. You know when you can Google pronunciation? Yeah, you have to play the video on YouTube you. to, to hear them say it. Flavia! <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. Uh, but they're good, they do, and they obviously work well in clumps too, which you've obviously, you know, yes. sorted out, and, and now, you can, now you can sell them again, can't you? Oh, look, I'm just going to give them away as Christmas presents, so if you get a plant from you're, you're a good egg, Jane. Yeah, no, nah, she's selling them. Don't worry about that. She's, she's... <laughs> Spare cash. Yeah. And so what does your garden actually look like? Just give us a glimpse. If if the certain plants aren't allowed in, what is the general style of your place? Yeah, so my house is east-facing, and it's at the front it's got um, oriental pears uh, on either side. Um, three of each. Um, on one side, I've just got some ground coverage and I've sort of a bit of a storage area as well. In the middle, I've got um, a little maria hedge, uh, triangle maria hedge with an olive tree in the middle mm-hmm. and, and and a random um, agave in a bowl. And, uh, Not for long, and you the, don't. Yeah. <laughs> and at the front, there's um, a lavender hedge that um, is underneath a row of roses. Um, azaleas on the north side fence um, and some gardenias and camellias uh, by the bay window. Cool. So that's the front, which which is probably more the pride and joy and the uh, as you know the facade and the presentation piece. But the back gets a bit messy. It's just pretty simple. It's got it's actually got some Michaela magnolias, which I've only worked out probably a couple of years after I got them what they were and they're beautiful. But um, I've worked out one one grows beautifully and the other one has taken a long time to grow. So I've got a bit of a lop, lopsided set up there with some buxus hedges along the deck um, and three roses near near some windows. So the roses were, were fantastic this year for some reason. But, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much my back and front yard. Sounds nice and formal, very formal by the sound of it. Yeah, as formal as it can be, yeah. Well, yep. yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, presentation's a big thing, as, as you would have worked out. My wife's pretty house-proud and um, it's always good to, to look nice when people walk past and that's especially great. when people coming over. That, that's probably when I do need to mow the lawns and, and give the garden a bit of a trim. Um, <laughs> so we haven't had that. That's probably why we haven't had people over. So that's probably why I've Yeah, it. true. Yeah, we have, why bother doing your yard for yourself? <laughs> yeah. It's just for the guests. It's a bit like us, isn't it? Like I've seen a lot of people at work who haven't shaved. Um, yeah. They've got the tracksuit pants on, which I've had for a while. You don't, you don't need to, I guess, have great presentation. You, you take the opportunity not to. Yeah, exactly. There'll be a few lawyers that get a funny shock when they stroll to work for the first day back in a pair of tracky dacks with a nice leather bag and go, hang on a second, Beard. you, you yeah, might need correct. to go home and get changed. Or, or the even bigger shock when they put their suit pants on for the first time in three months yeah. and go, oh, hang on, these don't fit me at the moment. <laughs> oh, very true. Actually, I was going to ask, um, we're going to chat with Mike Clayton on the show as well, but I've heard a rumour that if you put on a little bit of extra weight, it can really change your bowling action or your golf swing. Is that something you've encountered in your career, Bobby? Um, it can it can change your bowling action, that's for sure. Or your run-up at least, because your run-up gets shorter and shorter because you're not as fit. But ah. um, they say that, I think it's like um, seven times your body weight goes through your body when you land and, and bowl. So um, the heavier you are, um, you can bowl uh, potentially a bit quicker, but you're, all, you're reliant on things like shoulder power. But um, the bigger you are, you tend to want to bowl less and just bat and not run, really. Um, yep. <laughs> at the old school cricketer, really. Yeah. Geez, I was bloody quick on the um, <laughs> the bowling arm action when I was in primary school, Jane. And then oh, my arm would fall oh, yeah? off if I literally tried to bowl fast now. I reckon my shoulders are, <laughs> shoulders are shot. And I don't know if they'd hang on. They'd probably just end up with an arm and a ball coming <laughs> at you as a batman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm exactly the same as you, Dale. You, the first two or three times you bowl a ball when you haven't done it for a while and all the pins and needles and blood oh, rushes at the exactly. end of your fingers. And, yep. 
You just you just say I don't want it anymore. <laughs> well, Bobby, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. It's always great to speak to someone who's not only a wonderful sports person but has uh, had a hand in the landscaping business as well, and obviously a very proud gardener yourself. So, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Jane and Dale, and thanks most importantly for making me get back out in the garden because I'm going to have to do it in the next weekend um, <laughs> to sort my garden out. So thank you very much for the reminder and, and it's been great to be on the show. Good and on you, and mate. just chuck those plants you don't want on the uh, on the nature strip yeah, and I'll, I'll be, be around. <laughs> yeah, Jane will be around there. <laughs> if I find out where you live and you're selling them, I'll, I'll want a cut of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll get enough out of our candle business anyway, mate, so you won't have to stress <laughs> yeah, about <right>. that. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Bobby Quiney there, yes, former Australian cricketer and a very nice guy. And I do love that idea. Deep heat, freshly cut <laughs> turf in a candle, Ooh, a yeah. man candle, Dale. Oh, mate, we could sell <laughs> that out within moments of launching. If anyone is listening who is in the candle manufacturing business, we would love to have the Sport of Gardening official <laughs> candle, wouldn't we, Dale? I do know a good little candle maker in Geelong, so I might hit her up. A candlestick maker? Candlestick maker, yeah. There's an old poem <laughs> in a, that. And a baker, yeah. <laughs> hey, stay with us on the show because we have a tool review coming up in just a moment from Dale and we are going to talk golf course design with Mike Clayton, internationally renowned golf course designer and former pro golfer as well. And, hey, if you're about to... Uh, Chuck the clubs in the back of the car and head out for a round. Hope the weather's good in whatever part of Australia you are listening to us from. And this is the Sport of Gardening. It is all thanks to Red Energy. They're owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. And thanks to Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime, available at Bunnings Warehouse and leading hardware retailers. And Dale's going to put some of those tools through their paces in just a moment. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. And we hope you're getting the chance to get out into the garden or perhaps get a DIY job done that's been on the to-do list for a little while. I'm Jane Neal. Dale Vine is with me and ready to put some of our wonderful Cyclone and Trojan tools to the test. Of course, they're sponsoring The Sport of Gardening. So, Dale, you've got a beautiful little grab bag full of tools. Yes, always. (laughs) I've got a nice little bag today and... uh, I've actually got three Cyclone products today to talk about. Um, the first one is a two-kilogram polished axe. So this has got a fibreglass handle, so it's nice and um, light in the handle, but obviously the head's uh, got two kilograms worth of weight that you can slam down into a piece of wood and split open. And I actually got Sophie on this one this week. Um, nice. Not, not by choice. She she was left at home with a fire <laughs> to keep going for the day while I went to work. And, Dale, um, you hadn't filled the firebox. No, I gave her oh. plenty of big things eh. to keep it going, but she let it die out a bit where she had to get it started a little bit again. So she needed some smaller stuff. So bit she, of kindling. Yeah, so she took one of the, the bigger pieces outside and got the new axe and she's um, just split it up into a a few smaller bits and she said it was uh, really easy and she quite enjoyed it. So there you go. I might have her out there on the axe uh, more often, I think. And it's because it was a shiny new That's axe. right, yeah. Really nice axe. The sharper they are, the better they work as well. So this one was a ripper. And, and you um, always like the weight of a tool, so I do, how yeah. did it feel? Yeah, two kilograms is, is um, more than enough just to... Um, split those average um, logs that you get um, delivered. So if you're getting into the bigger stuff, you might want a log splitter, but um, this is a ripper and uh, highly rated. Uh, The other little tool that I took home this week um, was the post hole pincers. So 
Um, these, if you can imagine, um, one of those shovels where it comes in two parts and then it's bolted together down at the head. So you can actually open it up um, with two handles, um, slam it into the ground and then pull the handles apart and that clamps the dirt so you can pull it out of the hole. So you know when you're digging a hole, Jane, you've mm-hmm. dug plenty of holes. Um, I do that... like to dig a hole, Dale. <laughs> um, that once you start digging the hole, that there's a lot of dirt that stays in the bottom of the hole that you've got to clean out as well. Oh, so there is an option other than reaching yeah, so, into the hole yeah, with so your hand. Yeah, so these pincer shovels, these go down there and, and clamp that dirt. And so as you lift up, you've, you've got the dirt as well. So then you just put the handles back together and the dirt gets released. So they're really handy at creating a, um, a nice clean hole. And the best thing about them as well is you can do a nice – um, pot size hole really quickly um, if you're planting up too. So you mm. can just slam it in the ground, you know, clamp it, and then it's pretty much perfect for a 14-centimetre pot. Yeah, so for someone like me who's got all day to just stuff around in the garden, it's yep. different. But for you, like if you're doing a job where it's, okay, we've got a 100 small pots yeah. to plant out of, say, grasses or something, yep. for every 30 seconds to a minute you can save on that. It yep. really is a time oh, saver. Oh, and absolutely, and less mess too. So these are these are perfect for planting out the pincers. So, um, yeah, I love that one. Uh, and the other one, which I've never owned before, but um, now I've got one, is is one of my trusted um, favourite tools, is the um, multi-purpose shovel. So this is a, a a really big wide shovel. It's it's all um, what would the product um, be? It'd be UV stabilised. Um, PVC, I guess. So it's really lightweight. Um, it's great for shoveling mulch because it's another light thing. Um, crush rock even. Um, so the the less, you know, how I bang on about how heavy tools are and how mm. great they are, when you're doing something like crush rock, the lighter it can be that you're swinging around, the better because that's going to be a, a heavy thing to pick up. So, mm. uh, And this shovel is great. You could use it for cleaning up stables with manure as well, I could imagine, um, and all sorts of things that you're going to you know, need to scoop up a lot of stuff at one time. So, yeah, really loved it. And now it's going to be in the back of the ute for most of my jobs, I'd imagine. Well, see, once again, I'm always banging on about my old tools, but I've got this huge old big-headed shovel. Yep. I can barely lift it, yeah, let the, alone lift anything on it. They made them heavy in the old <laughs> days of shovels, but, yeah, once people started swinging them around and um, digging holes for a living, then they realised they might have to make them a bit lighter, I think. And do you think as well about the fact that, I mean, if you're a tradie or a landscaper, if you've got all of these tools on the back of your ute mm-hmm. and you're constantly going between job and job, I mean, it all costs petrol when the more weight you've got on the back of the tray. That's a good point, Jane. So yeah. if you can use materials these days as Cyclone, obviously, are innovating with some of the uh, alternatives to yep. just using a big heavy yeah, shovel, definitely. then it's obviously going to help with less load and yeah. you know, just really... I never thought of that. I'm saving on fuel <laughs> as I cruise around with the cyclone tools. I love it. Although the other heavy tools that you love are probably countering. Yeah, all, all the money I save on fuel, I'll go and buy more tools anyway. So, you know, the cyclone wins in the end, which is great. Fantastic. I think you're going to have to do some uh, proper fencing or something, Dale, because last week you spoke about the uh, the shovel that you could use to yes. do, dig the holes and now yep. you've got the nice pincer grip That's one. That's it, yeah. So. I'm, I'm going to have to just take on jobs I don't even normally do just because i got the tools. Oh, well, in just a moment, we are going to be talking golf course design. But, of course, if you've heard about the tools we've been talking about on the show and you want to get your hands on some of them, head to Bunnings. Cyclone Tools make premium gardening products and have been the choice of garden landscapers for over 100 years. And they're available at Bunnings Warehouse and leading hardware retailers. If you don't own a pair of Cyclone post-hole pincers, you haven't lived, Jane.
You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jay Neal. And you're on The Sport of Gardening and we are doing it all thanks to Red Energy. Of course, they are powered by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. Now, a couple of weeks ago on the show, we actually caught up with Gary Lyondale, who is not only a master mower, but during isolation had actually created his own golf course yep. in the backyard. Yeah, he has. <laughs> he, he did say it was uh, it was more the sake that he's uh, he just put the the mower level down a few notches to make it, but uh, he was pretty excited about it. I think he started something, and I reckon this course will be developed over the years. Absolutely. So I thought we'd get an expert in to have a chat with us. Of course, a professional golfer and now internationally renowned golf course designer, Mike Clayton joins us. G'day, Mike. Thanks for being on the Sport of Gardening. Thanks, Jane. Now, did you have a really tough time during the COVID-19 lockdown when you weren't allowed on golf courses or did you have like a sneaky property somewhere that you were still able to play? <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm, I'm, we came to the beach house, which is about a minute down the road from St Andrews Beach Golf Course. So it was kind of frustrating not to be able to play, but mm. missed the people I played with more than I missed playing the game. So it's the social aspect of it that is really yeah. just such yeah. a, a key yeah. driver, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I've played so much golf, I can give up golf for two months. I mean, lots of my friends who live on the other in the other hemisphere don't play for four months a year. They can't play because of the snow and the weather. So not playing for two months is hardly onerous, really. Uh, you are a big golfer, obviously, but do you reckon that helps you in designing golf courses and things as well? Because you know what would be challenging and what would be good to um, incorporate into a hole to add a little bit of interest and stuff for the, the more professional golfers as well? No, I think that's a big mistake, is thinking that good players know anything about golf course design. <laughs> oh, Some of them do. Shot uh, down. <laughs> The best architects in the world now are all very middle-range handicap players. Guys like Gil Hansen, Tom Doak, Mike DeVries, who are great architects. Mike did Kate Wickham, Tom and I did Bumbergle together. Gil's about to redo Royal Sydney. They're all kind of really average players, but who understand how to build beautiful work. You don't necessarily need to be a good player at all to be a great architect. So, Mike, if you had someone contact you now and say, look, we've got this land. I mean, you work internationally all over the world. If you had someone come to you and say, we want to design a course, how many years? I mean, it's probably hard to say, but like, it's not a short process. Is this something that is years then from the first initial ideas to the fruition and seeing a course opened? Wow, it depends. I mean, we've, we've had jobs that have taken 20 years to get going. Wow. And we, we had a job in China where we got a call in March and we started in September and finished within a year. Every job's completely different. Yeah, right. So, so much of it depends on permitting. In America, we had a job where we asked the club about trees and taking down trees. They said, what process you have to go through with local council? And they looked at me like, it's our property, we do what we want with it. Oh, right. whereas, you, <laughs> whereas you go to Sydney and you want to pull down a tea tree. Yep. And it's, a, it's just torture to get one tree yeah. out. Now, you're pretty passionate, aren't you, Mike? I know that you've got a thing about native Australian species planting out a golf course what do you lean towards what do you really think is the future of golf course design in australia well you need to go back to the past the past was i guess when we arrived we thought there were people who thought rabbits were a good idea and foxes and kikuya and Mm -hmm. unsurprisingly the english thought it was a probably a pretty miserable hot dusty place and that'd make it feel like home so we imported european trees and i guess you know in the 60s it seemed like 
people had realised that probably wasn't a great idea. Yep. But then we had the fad of Australian natives, so it was okay to drag over phytofolias from Margaret River and plant them in Melbourne. Lemon centre gums and spotted gums, and I mean, and, and just import everything, as though it was okay to bring something from anywhere in the country and plonk it in Melbourne. And Melbourne's 600 kilometres further from Perth, and London is from Moscow. And no one's planting trees in London from Moscow and claiming they're natives. Yeah. So, so <laughs> but I would hope that within 50 or 100 years, all of the best golf courses in Melbourne were, were planted out solely with trees and the, the, in the case of the sandbelt, the, the, low, the, the low-growing heathland plants that were growing there in 1770. The worst thing that golf did was import tea trees. Yeah. It's a horrendous plant in terms of how it <laughs> smothers out all the great stuff. I've played Anglesey Corp a, a heap of times and uh, it's just full of maluka and tea tree and, and it is. It's yeah. terrible to play from underneath yeah. because it drops so much stuff and uh, and you just can't hit a ball. So I hear yeah. you. <laughs> now, Mike, what were you planning to do in 2020 and how much have your plans been changed by, of course, international travel bans at the moment? Are you working from home and able to continue designing or has it really Ooh. thrown a spanner in the works? I was supposed to be chatting for a kid called Lucas Michelle, who's a member at Metropolitan right place, who won the US Med Amateur, which got him an exemption to the US Masters and the US Open. So they were obviously both postponed. So I was going to be in New York doing that, then spending two weeks with my design partner, Mike DeVries, in Michigan. And then we were going to go to London, where we had two jobs, in, one in London, one in Dublin. So that's just all off until next year, hopefully. I'm just kind of sitting here waiting, really. Frustrating in a way, but that's okay. We can wait. Because the irony of the job in London was at a place called the Addington, which is a beautiful old course in Croydon, sort of south of London, is that largely it's a tree job because it was, it was actually owned by an old lady for years and just got let go. And there's a new owner who's keen to restore it back to the way it was when it was built in the 1920s. So a lot of that is getting rid of unchecked and unmanaged tree growth that's really impinged too much on the design and the play of the golf course. So. Is it a private course then? Yeah. It was bought by the guy who owned Crystal Palace Football Club. He and his son now runs it. One of the biggest movements in golf course design in the last 20 years has been restoration. So we kind of undertook a 25-year restoration of Victoria Golf Club in Cheltenham, which worked out really well. So it's, you know, it's going back to the, the way the golf course was supposed to look and supposed to play before often many years of unchecked and unregulated committee planting and trees really distorted the way the golf course is played. So... In Melbourne, the most dramatic change was the Yarra Yarra. Tom Doug did an amazing job of restoring that golf course to what it was by rebuilding some of the greens they changed unwisely, but largely by taking out the trees that didn't belong. And it's so much better than it was. I mean, you know, you'll find 10% of the members who hate what he did, 90% who look at it and go, wow, it's so much better. It's fascinating stuff and and restoration of any garden, let alone a garden that also is a a golf course, is uh, really, it's great to hear that people are investing the time and the money into trying to preserve some of those older courses like that. 1920s in a beautiful place in the UK. Oh, well, I hope next year you get a chance to actually get there, Mike. The jobs are wait, which is fine. I'm I'm, I'm happy to sit here and write and think about stuff and go and play golf and do my thing and wait till we're ready to go again, then we'll go again. 
Well, don't say you're too quiet there because you'll have Gary Lyon on the phone calling you up to get you out of his joint to um, have him design a few more holes uh, in no time, I reckon. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> I think he needs a bunker, apparently. So uh, bring a rather large dump truck full of sand. Mike Clayton, so great to have you on the sport of gardening. It has been a, a huge upset to your career and your work this year, the COVID-19 lockdown. But look, with any luck, you'll be able to get back into the uh, European countries that you're working in next year and yep. things Things will return to slightly normal before we know it. Thanks, Jane. It was good to talk to you. And Dale, thank no you. No worries. Good on you, mate. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. And we love having you with us on The Sport of Gardening. Dale Vine is with me. And, of course, you're always welcome to ask a question on the show. You can email feedback at sportofgardening.com.au or you can head to Dale's Instagram, at vineyd. And don't forget, Dale's got the book. I'm always going to plug it, Dale, because whenever I lift up your book, you sort of look at me like, oh, I can't believe I did a book. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Dale Vine's Outdoor Reno Guide is available in all good books bookstores now. Transform your garden on any budget. And I've said it before, Dale, but it is really easy to read. It's really well laid out. There's just so many great ideas in here, especially if you want to make sure the budget doesn't get completely out of control, which it does, doesn't it? It It can happen. Yeah, it definitely does. (laughs) So we've got some recommendations this week. Who are you recommending on the Sport of Gardening this week, Dale? Uh, I'm recommending a place I haven't even been to yet, Jane, but I'm dying to get to. Oh, is um, this a word of mouth recommendation? Yeah, it that is. You're I, sort of, I stumbled upon their account on uh, Instagram and, uh, and just started looking at all their beautiful stuff and I, I cannot wait to get up there. But it's in Strathmerton, which is in Victoria. So it's on the Murray River, um, on the Murray, Va- Murray Valley Highway. And that's on your way to like Yarrawonga, sort of across from Shepparton, um, sort of area. So I don't know, what would that be from Melbourne? Maybe about... A couple of hours? Yeah, two two hours, three hours from me in Geelong. So, um, And it's called Cactus Country. So they're open seven days a week from nine till five. Um, and they look like they would have the biggest cactus collection, uh, I'd say, in half, nearly in Australia. So, um, wow. yeah, they've got things the size of gum trees out there, cactus, and, and they'd obviously sell as well if you're really interested in cacti, which a lot of people are for indoor plants as well these days. So, uh, yeah, that's my recommendation. Get, get Go for a nice little weekend tick down the the Murray Valley Highway and end up in Strathmerton and check out Cactus Country. Cactus Country. We found out that you're a bit of a bonsai enthusiast yes. a couple of weeks ago. So where do cactuses sort of come on the rankings? Oh, look, <laughs> I love cactuses and um, we do actually have a fair few cacti, but we um, I've moved them all out into the, the bonsai area now, which is safe from kids and dogs. Um, because uh, obviously now having three kids that are so young, um, they're just not as friendly around the house as they used to be um, as a beautiful thing to look at. So, yeah, as, as a safety measure, they've just been relocated for a couple of years. I always remember going to Lightning Ridge. I used to yeah. be in a band and we would tour and just go through the most, you know, back sort yeah. of country places. And there was, I think they call it, it's probably not politically correct to call it, a mother-in-law's seat. But yeah. it is one of those huge round cacti that is just the spikiest thing okay. I've ever seen. the mother-in-law's so, <laughs> seat, I get it, yeah. And there was this one in Lightning Ridge in a gut. I reckon it would have had to have been like 50 or 60 years yeah, old. Yeah, wow. But not a comfortable seat. Yeah, so. no way. <laughs> <laughs> I always have wanted to get one of them but never actually found one. So yep. I might have to head up to Cactus Country. Yeah, right. Um, I've got a little recommendation as well. Yes. His name is Hilton Carter. So Hilton I follow Carter. this guy on Instagram. He's a plant and interior stylist. Mm-hmm. He's a creator of green interior 
Interiors and he's got a book called Wild Interiors. But if you are into your indoor plants, check out Hilton Carter. I'm just going to hold up my laptop here for Dale. This man yeah, knows wow. how to grow indoor plants. Beautiful. He can create the most incredible wall hangings and, look, just lots of great inspiration if you are into your indoor plants. So that's at Hilton Carter on Instagram. Dale, it's been a whole lot of fun today, so thank you. No, thanks for having me <laughs> in again, Jane, because I love coming in on a Sunday and talking gardening. You know that. Well, we've got plenty to talk about next week as well, but if you've got a suggestion for a guest, perhaps you know a sports person who is passionate about their gardening or DIY, behind the scenes you can send us an email feedback at thesportofgardening.com.au and we must thank our fantastic show sponsors Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime available at Bunnings Warehouse and leading hardware retailers Trojan Tools, tools built tough, available at Bunnings Warehouse and both of those tools getting the tick from Dale and his weekly tool reviews and also thanks to Red Energy, they are powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, switch to Aussie owned Red Energy today and we'll talk to you next week Thanks, Jay. You're listening to the Sport of Gardening for Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools built tough only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. If you love an insightful podcast, Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series is for you. Cooking, enjoy Tuesday with Ash Pollard. Really, the people around here truly lived farm to table. I know it's trendy now, but it was necessity back then. The parents, Mum Plus One with Joe Stanley. At the height of coronavirus lockdown, I gave up on all screen time restrictions. Powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, switch to Aussie-owned Red Energy today. Red Energy's lifestyle podcast available from your podcast provider and the SEN app.